Today, we visited with Jason Antelak about his authentically Akashic podcast and his journeys with the Akashic Records. For more information, you can visit akashaman.com. And to contact Spirit Road, you can email us at spiritroadpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Awkwardly Zen Presents Spirit Road, a podcast about our spiritual journey where we can be awkwardly ourselves. It's a path that can be funny, absurd, enlightening, and life-changing all at the same time. Join us as we explore this mysterious world and life we live in. I'm Tim Behrens. I'm Lori Hewitt. And, and this, this is Spirit Road. to the podcast jason thanks for being here with us yeah, it's, it's exci- to exciting you. to get an invitation love you guys this, this is great we've been having these collaborations in collaboration with awkwardly zen and, and really excited for your podcast authentically akashic and maybe we can start there we'd love to hear about well the name and and what it's about and and what led you to this point in time where where you're sharing with the worlds and the way you are and Wow, that was a lot of questions that went a lot of directions for me. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yes, the, excuse the, him. <laughs> uh, well, with the the podcast, I guess we could start there because that's that's kind of the the current labor of love, right? And I, I affectionately say that because as exciting as it is, it always brings up things. And how do we get there? And then, you know, pulling the trigger and trying to get to it. And and I'll tell you, uh, it has been very rocky for me getting started in so many aspects, even just, uh, you know, surprise launching had its uh, had its flops. But every part of it really has been a beautiful learning experience in, in so many different stages. And I, I, I'm sure on the podcast uh, after some of the wounds have healed and the learning has been applied, I'll probably get deeper into that. Uh, but it's it's that kind of new venture that's exciting and scary. And uh, parts of it, you know, are you and parts of it, you know, you can't do very well uh, and, and bringing it all together in a, in a fun kind of way. So uh, the really the drive of the podcast itself is... It's about taking the spiritual and the metaphysical that is so often out of reach for people, especially at first or as we as we expand and we kind of get into those those new access areas that that are bigger again, you know, and and making those things accessible, uh, bringing it back into that grounded practical space so that we can do something with the information. I have a real I, I guess part of my mission, if we were going to lay it out like that in some kind of labeled structure, uh, would be to to keep those things accessible to people and stay away from the crazy entertainment value. Uh, that's fun and it's fluffy and it's enticing, but it's not always practical and it's not always applicable. And, and that's what authentically Akashic is is really based on. So I have a question because you used to do some recordings under, it was Spiritual Handyman. Are you still doing that? And how is this different then? 
The spiritual handyman came from a conversation with a friend and colleague, Denise O'Malley, who runs the Udefined Wellness Network, which is a, a great network for practitioners, alternative health practitioners to uh, to build from. And she's based here in Colorado. So we have a personal relationship as well. Uh, it's just a brainstorming that happens sometimes with people. And it was one of those moments that uh, she realized I was amassing tools and putting them together. And she said, you're going to be the spiritual handyman. Uh, it was such a fit. And she saw me on stage and speaking to groups and uh, that that was a vision we both shared in that moment, and the spiritual handyman was born. That show allowed for me to reach out to people and find out what their tools were, what were the things that practitioners were using that worked for them in all kinds of categories, whether they were yoga teachers or shamans or energy workers or they were manifestors, what whatever it was, and that led to a lot of great connections. And we got about 50 episodes somewhere in there. I think 47 was what we hit. Uh, well, you know, I hit really, cause I was kind of the, the all purpose. I, I was everything. <laughs> I, did, I did the, the, the recording, the booking, the, the, all of it, the editing, uh, which, you know, was, was as raw as I was at the time. Uh, and it, it was not a project that continued after that first year. That was my goal was to hit that year and uh, managed to do that. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, useful for people. And it's still out there on YouTube. And the information is still valid. I don't really send people to it anymore, uh, unless it's very specific to something somebody asks. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the reason for that to be really blunt and transparent, I'm not sure I've shared this much of anywhere, is that it felt like I was serving two different sides of myself. And I was spreading that kind of thin when I was on the business side as well. So trying to do a business thing, and I mean in the business world that wasn't spiritual, and work with the Akashic side, and then do the spiritual handyman. It was, It's hard to work two brands at once. And they were both solid brands. They just had very different types of missions. And there comes a point sometimes where you have to make a choice. And that was, uh, that was a choice that had to be made. So I just, just went with it. Yeah. So I love from talking with you too, that you really do have a sense of there is a business world as a practitioner that there's a need to make money and to make a living from doing what you're good at, what your skills are. And also to, there's so many different aspects to this. There's, there's marketing, there's getting your name out there in different ways. There's participating in events. So people know you're there. And then there's the practice itself. And, and, and which is really, really the path that has led you here. And, and I guess I'd, I'd be curious to, to hear your thoughts on even thinking about authentically Akashic, the Akashic aspect of that, you know, what was it that led you to Akashic Records in particular? And how did you find out about that? And what has your path been as, as you've learned more and more about that? The direct road to the Akashic Records was really where that turn happened is for sure attached to the timing in October of 2015 with motor vehicle collision 
I have always been interested in the metaphysical and the spiritual and astrology, cards, ritual, earth magic, different forms of things throughout all of my years, really. And especially starting in my late teens and early 20s, it was something that I was into and out of pretty consistently. I worked with a teacher coach in in Colorado Springs, probably 12 years ago or so that brought up the Akashic records to me and asked me about it. And I looked into it a little then, uh, but this was maybe uh, we're 2021 now. So we're about six years removed from that collision. So about five and a half years now, but you know, probably longer once, you know, folks are listening to this. There's a, you know, there's a pretty big marker there for me. And, and really the reason of that, which if you want more details, of course, my, my podcast series of my story has the, has the the more detailed account as it is on my website at akashamon.com because you know we're we're always marketing i'm not going to miss that opportunity because <laughs> people are always surprised man i'll just say oh yeah here's a marketing opportunity uh, aka shaman.com uh, but but that's how things get done. So uh, thank you guys for that opportunity that I just forced upon you. You are wonderful. Of course. Thank you. Uh, so the, the collision led to uh, post-concussion syndrome. So, you know, traumatic brain injury. Uh, and that's a, that's a shaky ground to be on. Uh, medical science got me to a point and alternative medicine was woven into that which eventually led me to looking for answers to sustain healing and give me something to do uh, to address the crazy symptoms I was having, which were kind of all over the place. And then uh, it was about, you know, getting focused and feeling better. And that was something that working in the Akashic Records provided for me. And what I didn't expect and then came to was the more I worked in the records, the better I felt. And I didn't really know that it was going to create so much healing. And that was something people around me, especially uh, my beloved Tracy, she noticed right away that I was doing better. Uh, my daughter noticed, and you know, these are the people closest to me at the time that were with me day in day out. And uh, they were my gauge. So I kept doing it. And then being the skeptic that I am, because I'm, I still am a, a practical person that thinks in those, in, in those ways, I like to analyze, I like to know how things work. So if the Akashic records are really going to work, then this information is going to have to matter to people. <laughs> and I'm going to say a prayer and ask some questions with a pendulum and people are going to find use in it. And it's still true today and it still surprises me. And that's why it's so interesting from my side. Uh, and it's it just what I learned there about myself and what I continue to learn about the world around me is what keeps driving me. And, and that's what I follow. And, and that's why authentically Akashic, I, that, that's really the, honestly, the short answer, uh, because it is so detailed and there's so many reasons. I mean, just the, just the, the artwork that's on the front cover for authentically Akashic is a journey of itself that has three phases. 
it, it seems like everything kind of has started to have that. You know, even this past week has been like that. And, and that's the, the beauty of the, the development. The Akashic Records kind of never stop working on you. And uh, working within them is, has been something that has continually just expanded my world. And that's why I keep playing. Jason, how did you find the Akashic Records and actually figure out or learn how to enter them and get information and share that with other people? Because you're quite phenomenal in being able to do that. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, it's it's really about interpretation and and study at first. Uh, I found a modality that aligned with uh, who I was at the time and what worked for me because it was very practical. Uh, that modality of soul realignment, which was created by Andrea Hess, who I will forever be grateful to. Um, that's a, a great mentor for me. Someone that uh, whose courses I have delved into for you know several years. I've taken pretty much everything she's offered, and continue to do so because as she grows, it allows me to grow. And it's it started out as such a practical thing; it made sense to me, and and it was the other stuff I didn't know about that that helped me even more. And that's what I see it do for others. So so being in a in a space of experiencing it and witnessing it makes it that much more real for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, be, now being a facilitator and, and teaching mm -hmm. the same modality that changed my world allows me to have that kind of impact for others. And I do it a little differently. Uh, you know, it's still the same material uh, because that's what works. And, uh, it's still the same information because that's what I know to be true, but I'm still always questioning it. I'm always pushing it. I'm always testing it out. And, uh, that's, that's the beauty of, of the access and the people and doing the readings is that they're always expanding and changing and the possibilities and the combinations and variations. It just doesn't, doesn't stop. Even when things are the same, they are still different in some way. So not only is it repetitive enough to be consistent, it's varied enough to remain interesting. How does it feel for you when you enter someone's Akashic record and start receiving information? And how do you, how do you get that information? So getting into the record has changed so many times for me and in different situations. And it has to do with setting a lot. It has to do with the purpose a lot. If I'm sitting down to do someone's reading, a lot of times I'm, uh, I'll be setting up for a reading and clearing. And that is a, a session that I prepare for ahead of time. I actually do spend time in someone's record with their permission because it's the only, that's the only way that works effectively. That time is, is a little different. Um, I, I first locate that record and verify that what I do is congruent with getting the type of information that is going to be useful. Uh, once that has been aligned, then uh, that, that secures that we're in the correct record. And I go through my protocol and I ask questions. And the way that feels for me is 
I, I don't want to say it's routine, but it just feels comfortable and familiar. When you're in those records, are you speaking with a spirit or are you like reading a book? Kind of give me a visual of what it's like, how the records are, what they look like for you. How do you experience that? This this may be a big letdown, and I'm just going to tell you that the, the honest truth is it's kind of boring. I'm just sort of sitting at my desk with a reading sheet and a notebook in front of me, mm-hmm. and I'm not really hanging out in a you know a, you know a spectacular place unless you know my office is nice and neat, which is pretty spectacular when that's actually happening. <laughs> um, thank you, daughter, for that. Again, it's the setting, right? Because that's the situation where as long as I'm connected, I'm there in order to get information. So as long as the connection's there, I don't, I don't need pretty. I don't need to see. I don't, I don't need visions, those kind of things uh, uh, until I reach a certain point, right? Because I'm, I'm kind of going through a protocol and asking yes and no questions, okay. which is very direct. And, and it's, I'm, I'm more watching the pendulum Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and paying attention to my reading sheet and filling things out. And that's very in the moment, right? So I, mm-hmm. it's tactile. It keeps me focused. I'm going through the steps. Then when I work through people's past life stories, current and past life stories, uh, that gets a little different. That is more of a, of a vision thing. So when maybe I'll get into... Uh, you know, a group of situations someone has, and it's a past life, you know, four or five lives ago, they're incarnated with a certain gender, then we determine, is this family oriented? Is it with society? Is it with a lover, maybe a spouse? You know, what's the connection? And what's the circumstances? And as I kind of, it's it, you know, you start with the broad brush, right? How many lives ago? Okay, it's three. What's the gender? Male. Now you're getting, you know, three lives ago, there's this guy. And is this, is it societal? Is it within family? It's within the family. Okay. Is this about parents or is it about children? You know, what's the, (laughs) as you start to ask the questions, it narrows the field down. And with the understanding of what we're after, we're looking at the logic of the information that's led me to that point. Because we always have to stay grounded in the logic. The records give me the pathway. Right. It provides me a practical pathway and it's without understanding the work. It's kind of hard, I guess, to explain it. Um, I love the questions you're asking because it really does make me put the process into words in a different way. The connection for me at that point is often visual Mm -hmm. and I will hear certain things that need to be said directly or the way it needs to be phrased. I still hear it a lot of times with my own voice. That's consistent for me, but the wording, the phrasing will be different. Yeah. And I always make note of that, right? Because if the phrasing's different to me, then I know it's for them. And over time, I've begun to understand the difference of how I get it. But the the beauty of the pendulum, which I use through the whole thing, is that I have a way to verify, right? And I can always check in. Okay, is that mine? You know, and then after a while, you just don't need to ask that question very much. It doesn't mean I don't, but I, it, it lets me make sure, you know, is this mine? Am I, because that sounds 
you know, I'll do a reading and it sounds very familiar to something that just happened in my life or something I saw on television. I'm like, wait a second. Like, that doesn't make sense. I just thought of that, didn't I? And and it will actually be true that uh, I'll come across two or three readings in a row that are grouped that have a similar issue. And it'll be similar in those readings, like all in one week or a couple of weeks, but from different angles. And and I, I have a sneaking suspicion that sometimes that happens, you know, synchronistically to be able to help people in that in that space. And when I look back, that's, I think the records have helped me in those areas Mm -hmm. and helped other people and brought them to me in that way. I I don't, I think I answered your question Uh and that went in a weird direction there. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) I love the methodology. I love hearing about that and just that there is a method and that sometimes it's not as abstract or ethereal as one might, might imagine. But like you say, the, the ultimate test of of this is whether or not it resonates for the person you're reading for. I guess I would ask a question of both of you with with channeling and what how do you get out of your own way in such a way? I because I'm I'm curious too. I, I'm thinking about how I do think there's some synchronicity in that the people that are drawn to you as a reader or a channeler might reflect things that are going on in your path. How do you discern? Is this something, is this a story I'm telling myself because this is going on in my own life and I'm projecting on another? Or is this someone that has come into my life because we are meant to learn and teach from each other? How do you do that, Jason? I figured that was for you, Lori. That could be for you, Lori. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's for both of us. For me, it's a lot of times like Jason, I'll use a pendulum to, to just check in to make sure it's really spirit speaking and not me. And I'm very methodical in working with my ego and mind so that when I'm ready to do a reading, it's in the moment and my mind and ego are usually kind of set aside, if you will, and stay out of the way. I've learned over the years, if I say to myself, okay, we don't have to know anything. We don't have to be anxious and we don't have to come up with the answer because someone else is going to be giving this information, then that part of me can relax and I can just pay attention and receive the messages as they come through. I always joke and say, I always send my mind and ego to our little place where our sacred place where we meditate and tell them to go play with the fairies. And that keeps them happy and busy. And then I can pay attention to whatever's coming in for the person. And I can usually tell then, if my mind jumps in or my ego jumps in because it has a very different feel and a different message and a different sound with spirit, it's always loving and kind and usually funny and mind and ego are not usually that way. You said you use a pendulum to really kind of help you discern the difference. Ditto. Yeah. (laughs) What, what she said, basically that anything I would say would be repeating that with just, Sure. A little different tweak because I'm a different person and I just operate a little differently, but they would be all the same things with the, maybe not sending them someplace specific. I hadn't thought of that, but geez, keep them, keep, at least keep the ego busy. Um, I usually just tell him to go outside. I, I don't know that I give him anything to do. That might be a good <laughs> plan. But I, I do a lot of the same things and tell myself, uh, you know, we're going to separate here and that's okay. And, and I've learned that I had to do that. 
uh, to set that intention, uh, you know, going into it or preparing, uh, checking in. Uh, I definitely work with my guardian angel in those cases. Uh, I explored channeling a couple of different times. There's, I, I kind of have a, a, a looped history with channeling for myself. Uh, it's, it's not my first choice. It is uh, uh, mediumship is, is also not my first choice, which is not something that I hide. I, I deeply respect it. It's just not where I'm interested in continuing to explore. There's a, a great responsibility that comes with those, those things. Uh, the channeling is sort of a natural communication that happens, and it's uh, a lot of part of the record, so I'm pretty comfortable with that. But I am not one to want to just step out of the way and let something step all the way in and take over and be incoherent or, you know, going into a trance state like that doesn't that that doesn't appeal to me. And and I, I don't disagree with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just not for me. Yeah. Me either. And I'm definitely a conscious channel. There's no way I'm stepping out completely allowing some energy just to take over and speak through me. That's just never going to happen either. So yeah, I'm with you there. I want to back up a second. You said that you need to have permission to move into somebody's records and get information. Why is that important? Why do you need permission? Why can't we just jump in? Well, the, the integrity of the records is automatic. It's always in place. That That is about the the individual soul having the right to their own records. And there are circumstances that are different than our human experience where there isn't that kind of necessity. In our human existence, we protect ourselves. We have a need to keep things private. We have reasons for that. And, and without going far into it, uh, the difference is when we're not in a human form, there isn't the same need of protection. There isn't the same need to keep things to ourselves. And we have access to a lot more of the information. So it, it's just a different state, right? Because right now we don't have full access because it's not practical for what we're doing. And to to get into someone's records for a, a human would feel really invasive. It's it's like somebody all of a sudden knowing all of your private stuff. And for human beings, that is very uncomfortable. Uh, it's built into the records that I wouldn't be able to just get information on somebody except for my interaction with that person. So if I've met someone and talked to them, then it is within my uh, within my integrity to access their records to a point, only to what that interaction is. If you go beyond that integrity, the information you get is inaccurate. It will not fly. It will not apply. It will just not be useful. You know, there's there's kind of a fail safe there. The same things apply at every level. There's just not a a need for it in the same ways outside of a human form. Absolutely. Thank you. Because it really helps to speak to that whole ethic and being an in integrity when you're doing any kind of reading and interaction with someone, I think. And, and permission is important. Staying out of that invasive space. Yeah. Right. If you're, 
if you're not hurting anybody and you're not infringing on someone's free will, uh, then, then you're in integrity. And, and that's really the biggest line is infringing on someone's free will and, and, you know, creating expectations and laying on those, laying those on someone is, you know, encroaching on that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something to keep in mind as practitioners. We, we, we don't want to project ourselves or, or do those things, which is why staying in that level of integrity is important. It's, it's why I don't read for people just because I've met them. If, if they haven't asked me to, I don't. I have family members I have not read for, even though the records say that's, that's okay. I mean, if there was a reason, you know, if, I, if, if there was a, an actual benefit to it that I could, uh, I could help them or help a situation, I would greatly consider it. But it, to me, it's, you know, if someone hasn't asked or agreed that it's okay. If you haven't had that conversation, then, uh, you know, then I just, I, I just keep my distance and I don't make assumptions. Right? I don't think I know somebody just because I know stuff about energy. I don't assume su- such and such is from, you know, whatever soul group or they have this kind of energy just because I see the traits because you don't really know. You can't judge a book by its cover is true. I mean, except for romance novels, because you, they really mark those. So you know what you're getting into. Uh, but, but a lot of those, you don't really know until you crack it open. So it, it's, it's just good to you know, remain curious, uh, but do it in a healthy way. I have had something that's come up that I'd love to ask about, maybe again for both Lori and Jason. The, there was the mention of free will there, and and earlier you had mentioned the idea that some of what these readings can allow is a a soul realignment, and and I'm really curious how those two concepts might play with each other in the sense that in my experience I I've, I have the belief or at least the partial sense that we choose to an extent why we come into this life maybe what some of our themes will be some of the lessons we learn. If that is the case, how is it that someone's soul can be out of alignment? What what is it that might lead someone down a path where they need something like this to to move them more back into their their blueprint or their reason for being? Curious choices, choices. Can you say more about that? <laughs> oh, that wasn't enough. <laughs> like yeah. that's pretty big by itself, isn't it? Um, so, so. so, give an example. Um, you can. I don't know if you remember. We did some work together, and I remember one of the things that you had me work on. Maybe it's different than soul alignment. Anyway, there were some clearing things that I needed to do that were really kind of ancestral, that had kind of knocked me out of balance. And maybe that was part of that soul realignment then and releasing whatever had carried through from ancestor. The easiest way, I think, to answer that fully is to, is to look at the, the state at the beginning. When, you're, when your soul is first created, your energy is a conglomeration of different types of energy and it is in its purest form. And as Tim mentioned that blueprint, right? That's your original blueprint at origination. Mm-hmm. That's the, the cleanest version. This is the aligned 
version. And, and it's not like, you know, the most aligned you'll ever be because you can always get back to that place, right? This is just what a hundred percent looks like. If we're going to throw a number on it to, to, to just make it relative to our human condition, as we make choices, we can make choices that are congruent and we can make choices that are not congruent. And we make choices that are out of alignment with that energy. And as those stack up and stretch out and they might be in a lifetime or even span over lifetimes, our cycles, our patterns, the more that we participate in those, the more that energy that we're working with becomes out of alignment with that original blueprint. So by addressing those things and clearing that energy, you are realigning with your original soul blueprint. So it's really where the, the free will of human beings meet up with the soul self and matching up with what the soul wants its path to be and helping us as human beings with our free will to move into alignment with that so that we're all going in the same direction on the same path. It is right where the rubber meets the road. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I know you, sh you shared with me when we met was when my soul first incarnated, if you will, or soul's origination. And you said I was from, I think Polaris, if I remember correctly. Can you speak to that a little bit about what does that mean exactly? And how does that work? And do you know, I mean, do most people kind of start out someplace other than Earth or there are people that always have started on Earth? There's there's both. Logistically, if you think about souls and multiple timelines, multiple lives, to have all of those on Earth seems mathematically inconsistent and mundane and kind of boring, to be honest, if, if we want to go past that a little, um, I'm throwing some of my opinion in there just to be, to be forthright, to go back be, beyond that, just that consideration and to get deeper into your question, Lori, is that as a soul, after we've been created, right, we've had this energy, but this, this energy that we have, our talents, our skills, our superpowers, or, or however you want to call them, we want to do something with those. We want to have uh, an experience beyond just floating around and, you know, enjoying things. And, and there's a lot that being in a third dimensional experience offers that being in a spirit form does not, uh, it's just not the same. And, and it's the same here as being there. It's not the same here as it is there. Uh, I mean, obviously. So, being attracted to different star systems is just kind of part of what happens with souls. And there are multiple star systems with life that is uh, also kind of mathematically obvious <laughs> with the number that are out there. Uh, I, I mean, it is to me, it's, it's, it's very clear to me that that's true. Uh, and so, you know, for listeners, if that's not really where you are, uh, I just offer to you to to consider the possibility of that in this moment, uh, because a lot of people that are in the spiritual space, metaphysical space, are interested in it, uh, are find themselves recognizing that they don't feel always connected to this place, that they don't always feel like 
uh, like they're, they're necessarily from here. They, they stare at the stars or they feel like, uh, you know, maybe there's something a little different and it doesn't mean that earth's not a home to you. It doesn't mean that it's not, you haven't had many lifetimes here or experienced it or been involved in this place for, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of years. It's just that there's probably some other experiences there. So, uh, as you mentioned, Polaris, that would be a possibility for someone, a soul is what I mean by someone that might be attracted to the energy, the the culture, the the customs, what is represented by Polaris and being incarnated there, what what comes from being there. That's what would attract the soul to incarnate there. Now, when you first incarnate, you haven't had any lifetimes yet. So you haven't been in a body. So where you first go, you get a lot of those characteristics. You pick up a lot of things. It's a pretty big influence. So when you're kind of that blank slate, those first few lives, which are usually, not always, but usually in kind of the same place, uh, like for you, that would represent Polaris, the North Star. That is... Uh, you know, that you come away with, with those things ingrained in you in your energy, and you would have some of those habits. It's kind of like if you lived in Germany until you were in your mid teens, and then you moved to the US. And now you're in your mid 20s, you would still have those German roots and connections. But you'd have a lot of American traits as well. So it's, it's very much like that, but just on a much grander scale. Thank you. Maybe you could tell us one more time, Jason, where to find you. Oh, good. Uh, selfless plugs and marketing. If, if anybody's still with us, this is uh, this is where you could cut out, right? Uh, my my personal website and my business website where you can find me is akashaman.com, A-K-A-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. Uh, and you can go there to find out about the Akashic Records, about my story. You can find uh, my podcast, Authentically Akashic, which you can also find at authenticallyakashic.com. Uh, if you're interested in Akashic readings, uh, you can go to akashaman.com and get information there as well. Info at akashaman.com. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a communicator. So however you find me, it doesn't really matter how you find me. Just, you know, just reach out and, and somehow the communication will get to me. We'll get connected. Um, I, I offer 15 minute consultations because people have a lot of questions and the Akashic records need to be a good fit. So it's, it's fine to set up a 15 minute consultation with me, which you can do from my sessions page. So you kind of can answer some questions there, but I am happy to to talk with you. It's not a reading, but it's a chance to connect and uh, an opportunity for you to ask me a couple of questions that I'll be happy to answer for you and and see if you know that kind of path uh, or or whatever you're interested in is is good for you. It's not a sales call. It's just a chance to you know to connect and 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 see what's next for you. And let me just say. Um, as we um, end here, that having worked with Jason and received some messages from him, he is quite amazing and it's well worth it spending that time with him. So I highly recommend it. We're really grateful to have you here today, Jason. Thanks so much yeah. for being with us. Yeah. Well, you guys, thanks for inviting me and including me in your 
in your journey. Uh, I love that you guys are doing this teamed up. I think that is one of the greatest pairings that I've come across pretty much ever. The, the two of you guys make my heart lighter and, and it is a genuine honor to have spent time with you in, in this setting. And I can't wait for all of us to get together. Uh, uh, we're, we're going to go, we're going to Red Rocks, Tim. That's right. You and me Next are month. going to Red Rocks, my man. And that means while you're here, we get to get together with Lori. So uh, yeah. good times ahead. Good times ahead. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. you.